Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of Stock Talk. My name is Amin Reina and I am an investment coach and founder of Sage Investors. And this is episode 6-9. And guess what folks, breaking news. I have some more information to share with you about my robo portfolio. Um, I thought I would be kind of done with it and talking about other things because I have a whole bunch of other stuff I'd love to share with you. But uh, this robo portfolio thing just keeps pulling me back in. And uh, so today I just want to give you a bit of an update on it. I was thinking of just doing an update as I do my, my mid-year kind of update with these uh, with this portfolio. But uh, some stuff has come up, which I just to me is kind of uh, kind of major, and I uh, wanted to share with it with it share it with you right now. Um, just to give a quick recap, because I know we've got a lot of new people that have been jumping on board and listening to the video, listening to the podcast and the video version of Stock Talk. So I just say, hey, cool, welcome, welcome, welcome. I uh, just want to get you guys up to speed on kind of what I'm talking about. What are you talking about? Robo portfolios, robo advisors, stuff like that. Here's what happened. A couple of years ago, you know, these we've heard a lot about these new online wealth management companies, uh, manage, you know, uh, managing uh, investments uh, online, and they've traditionally been labeled as robo advisors. So there's this new thing. They've hit the market in the last couple of years, getting a lot of buzz, a lot of a lot of uh, interesting traction, and a lot of people saying are disrupting the fin- traditional financial investment management industry. So. I thought that's a really cool thing. Um, one of the things I, know, I haven't heard a lot about with, with respect to this portal, these type of services, because they're so new, is do they actually do a better job of creating wealth, of making money, compared to if I were to invest the money myself, or if I were to hire a financial advisor or portfolio manager to manage the money on behalf, on my behalf. So what I set out to do, because nobody seemed to want to answer this question, nobody wanted to go there, so I just, in my own little way, said, you know what, I'm going to do my own experiment. And what I did is I took $5,000, my own savings, and I put it into a robo-advisor service. And the whole point was just to track and monitor and just sort of understand better the whole experience and to blog and to explain and to share with you uh, my observations and ultimately also my performance. Um, with respect to using this type of service. So I started it a couple years ago and, and a couple weeks ago I actually gave my, uh, if you go to my couple of episodes ago, I talked about uh, my sort of two year anniversary, two year performance of the portfolio and also some interesting comments and feedback that I've been getting from people with respect to this little experiment that I'm doing. So you can check back in some of the previous episodes of Stock Talk and I'll talk about that. But what I wanna share with you today is some updates. One of the things I was doing uh, like earlier this week was I was going through my, my portfolio. I just happened to you know, have it on my phone. I have the app on my phone. And I guess that's one of the really good things about this whole type of uh, FinTech, type of FinTech is that you get that kind of immediate feedback of that, there's that immediate feedback loop of how your portfolios are doing or how your investments are doing. And so that's a cool thing that you can get that kind of real time or almost real time kind of access to, to, to um, your, your status of your, of, your, of your money. So I happened to be looking at it and I noticed there was something really different in terms of the way the portfolio was constructed. And there seems to have been some big changes in the portfolio. And it's interesting because only a couple of weeks ago, up until like really a couple of weeks ago, there really hasn't been any changes. It's been a very stable uh, portfolio in terms of asset allocation um, and how the money's been invested and the types of ETFs that have been involved. So we're almost about a year and a half now. It's been kind of stable, but now it looks like something's happening. And I wanted to share with you kind of that update. 
Now, one of the things um, that I hear about, you hear about with respect to robo-advisors is in terms of their value proposition, besides the low cost aspect of it, is that really what you're paying to get a robo-advisor to do is to properly do an asset, asset allocation of your, mon of your money, to, to diversify your, your, your savings into a variety of asset classes that are conducive to your risk profile, your tolerance, your, 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 where you are in your life, your demographics, and all that kind of stuff. So that's one of the big value propositions is asset allocation in that it will decide how it will allocate, you know, how to uh, diversify your money and also keep track and making sure that your asset allocation stays consistent in that if something, if a certain component of your portfolio goes a little bit too high or too low, that the portfolio, the whole robo-advisor, the computer or the algorithm or whoever is doing this would adjust, um, not necessarily in real time, but in proximity to keep, to ensure your asset allocation is consistent from the way it's been constructed. So that's one of the key value propositions with it. And as I said, with my experience so far, it's been pretty, you know, the first year there was a bit of churn involved. Second year, it's been pretty stable um, up until now uh, where there's been a bit of a change. So let's just reset where I've, where, where I've been, where the portfolio has been and where it is right now. So up until now, it's been, the portfolio has been pretty fairly diverse. It's diverse in a whole bunch of different asset classes. So I'm just going to read you what I, the, the allocation was before. Before these changes, 20% uh, of the money of the portfolio was in U.S. equities. 17.5% was in foreign equities. 15% uh, were in dividend-oriented equities. Um, yeah, dividend-oriented equities. 10% was in real estate kind of assets, and 10% was in Canadian equities. So it was basically the portfolio was constructed, the robo-advisor constructed a portfolio which is essentially 85% stocks and 15% bonds. So there's been 15% in corporate and uh, government bonds. That's how it's been for the last year or so. But now, as I said, I just took a look. I just happened to take, I wasn't even looking for anything. I just happened to, because it's the beauty of having something on your phone. You can just randomly look at things. You can go look at Snapchat. I can look at my robo-advisor portfolio. So what I've noticed now is that allocation has changed and it's changed quite meaningfully. Now, my US component, which was 20%, is now, as of right now, 32.3%. And it's not just in one ETF, it's in two ETFs. Previously, the US component was just in the uh, Vanguard, the VTI, ticker symbol VTI, which invests basically in all the stocks in the US market and that's what it was, that's what that allocation was towards. But now, it is now allocated now, they've added another ETF, which is another Vanguard ETF, it's ticker symbol VUS, and it essentially um, tracks uh, the 3,000 largest US companies. So now I have two ETFs that are essentially covering the same market, and they, come, and they comprise almost 32, a third of my portfolio is in now US equities. So that's one change. The other change was the Canadian equity com component. As I said before, up until now, it's been just 10% of my of the portfolio has been dedicated to Canadian equities. It's now 22.2%. They've bought the robo portfolio, the robo, the computer or whatever, has bought more shares of the uh, of the iShares Canadian equity, the ticker symbol XIC. So now basically like half the portfolio now is allocated to U.S. equities and Canadian equities. 
The other change too, as I mentioned too, there was a 15% allocated to dividend, dividend oriented stocks uh, and 10% allocated to real estate uh, stocks or real estate assets, REITs or something like that. So that's 25%. That fund, that amount of money was invested in uh, a couple of ETFs that were run by a company called Purpose. They were the Purpose ETFs. And now they're no longer there. Those, that component, that dividend component and that real estate component are gone. So those shares, those uh, purpose ETFs are now not in my portfolio now. And essentially what they've done, what it looks like is they've cashed out those shares, they've cashed out those components and reinvested them into the US and into the Canadian. The other components, the foreign equity um, side of it and the corporate bonds and government bonds, they've stayed uh, the same and the emergent market has also stayed at the same asset level, this thing was 12.5%. So this is really the change I'm really, I wanna share with you is now all of a sudden my portfolio is the robo-advisor here has made a decision here. It seems like it's made a decision to put half my savings or half the portfolio into North American equities and the rest of it in, you know, the rest of it in, in foreign equities. And so to me, I was like, whoa, that's a pretty big move. Like I was a bit surprised. At first I was like, no, there must be, maybe there's another step here. Maybe they're trying to do, maybe this is a stepping stone and it could be a stepping stone to another, another move or another kind of reallocation kind of thing. Um, but if it was, then why would you introduce this new Vanguard um, ETF, US ETF, into the mix? Why don't you just buy more of that VTI? To me, that, that would make sense. Now, the interesting also component of this is that VTI uh, ETF is, has a MER, has a cost of five basis points, 0.05%. The new um, US ETF, the ticker symbol VUS, has a MER of 0.15%. So they've actually taken out, they're actually adding more US exposure, but adding it at a higher cost. And which again, I'm going, what? Like, why don't you just buy more of the VTI? It gives you broader exposure to the market. Um, so that's an interesting turn of events. So, and then the fact of the matter is, the VTI invests in every stock US company in, the, in, in America, and the VUS invests in the VUS invests in you know the top three thousand. So chances are there's like duplication. You got to even duplicate. You have duplication going on here. So why 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 are you doing that? I don't understand that. So these to me are very kind of head scratcher kind of um, moves that my um, robo my algorithm robo advisor is is making. Um, so what are some takeaways? I'm just trying to figure out, okay, what's some takeaways? Because what can I share with you in terms of some takeaways and some things that you need to kind of look at and, and be aware of when, if you're considering, or you are currently putting some of your money in a robo-advisor, is you really, you can't just put your money into some of these things. And it's just not just robo-advisors, it's any investment or any portfolio investment decision, whether you're managing it yourself or somebody else is managing it for you. You need to always constantly be engaged in the process. You need to always be looking under the hood and asking questions if something doesn't make sense. Uh, instead of just kind of like, well, out of sight, out of mind, I'll, you know, I'll, when the statements come out every uh, three months, I'll, I'll read it type thing. You really need to be engaged on these type of things because you don't know what kinds of things are going on. So what are some takeaways that I, right now, what, you know, some quick, you know, quick and dirty kind of takeaways that I'm getting from just this, what I'm seeing happening right now. One takeaway is I don't think this is a robot making these decisions. I think these are people making these decisions. I think at the end of the, I think one of the things we think about when we think of robo advisors is that there's some kind of computer or some kind of algorithm 
that's kind of scanning our portfolio all the time. And anytime there's some kind of change in the portfolio in terms of weightings, it's gonna jump in and automatically doing. It's just running a whole bunch of if-then statements and making, making decisions accordingly on a constant basis. I don't think that's what's happening. I think there's people are making ultimately these decisions. In the case of my portfolio, this my robo-advisor that I'm using, I've, I've learned you know, just through disclosure that some of the uh, ETFs that were in my portfolio, which were specifically those purpose portfolios, um, the CEO of that company also happens to be a member of the board of directors of this robo-advisor service that I'm using. And that's fine, I guess, but right now to me, the optics look like, okay, so, is the robo, is there actually a computer out there that's in that company that's actually picking the best ETFs or does it happen to be picking ETFs out of convenience? Is there some kind of deal that's been going on between my robo uh, advisor and the, the, the vendors at the ETF vendors? Um, is that how they select uh, ETFs um, for their portfolios? Or is it a computer actually scanning the market and looking for the best deals and looking for the best run, best quality ETFs out there? So to me, when I see stuff like this, I think this is not a computer making these decisions. This is a, this is people making decisions. So it's no different from, you know, giving your money to a portfolio manager or a financial advisor and getting them to manage your money. So that's one thing I think we're starting to understand. Now this is one, one I'm only looking at one advisor here, portfolio or robo-advisor. I don't know how the rest of them work. Maybe they work more using algorithms to select and manage their portfolios. I don't know. Maybe that's something I maybe should start doing uh, as a better comparison, maybe as a benchmark kind of exercise, we can do that. Maybe that's something I might do uh, in the future. I shout it out to other people who are heck of a lot smarter than me. Make, I'd love to hear other people's insight into it. So human, there's a human aspect to these portfolios. As much as they're being marketed as robo advisors, there's, I think there are people advisors. I think there's, and I think there's also politics that come into decisions in terms of what uh, ETFs are used to, 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 for investment purposes. I think there's politics out of it. So it's interesting to see now that now that it seems like the purpose funds are out, you know, they're out of my portfolio now. Um, and meanwhile, you have kind of a representation of governance out there with some representation from purpose. Like what is the dynamic in that boardroom right now in terms of how decisions are making? Like is, are we gonna see purpose kind of out of that system in terms of governance uh, of this robo-advisor service? So there's kind of some politics going on I think out there and I don't know, I don't have any information. I don't, I'm not having any insider information or I don't know anything more than what I read in the disclosures. I go to the websites and I see it's all public information. So um, I don't know anything more than anybody else does on that kind of stuff. So that's the takeaway for me is just these things are, are still, there's a human element to it. I don't think we've reached the point where, you know, we've got artificial intelligence now, Watson kind of things out there managing portfolios. It may be out there, people say it's out there, but I don't think it's there right now. I think there's a human element that's going into making some of these uh, decisions that are going on in, in these robo-advisor portfolios. Now, so what's happened, as much as I'm kind of concerned about this allocation, the weighting of it, I'm actually kind of pleased in a way that the, my robo service has kind of gotten away from these purpose funds because they're essentially actively managed portfolios. They're not just passively in portfolios that track an index and you earn that kind of close to that market rate of return and also do it at a lower cost. They've gotten rid, and that was one of my concerns when, when I started this whole process was uh, I was really concerned that these 
actively managed portfolios, uh, ETFs were in my portfolio. When the value proposition that they talk about, and most of these robo-advisors talk about, is a very passive-oriented approach. You lose losing as low-cost ETFs attract broad market indexes and do very minimal in the way of tweaking with asset allocation. That's the value proposition. So at first when I started using it, I was kind of like, okay, well, they're kind of contradicting what their whole value proposition is. And so now it seems like they're transitioning away from that actively managed component and really going to a really purely passive kind of portfolio, which is great, which is good stuff. I'm actually, I'm actually much more pleased to see that. Now, am I pleased to see you know, a third of the portfolio in US stocks, given what's going on in the market and given what the dynamics of the market and the dynamic the politics out there? I don't know. Um, so is the robo advisor kind of doing like a whole momentum chasing kind of strategy or are they thinking, is this a kind of a long-term kind of approach? Um, so I'm happy about the passive, more passive components in the portfolio. Not happy too much with the asset allocation. And I'm not happy about the duplication side of it, um, where we have two ETFs that are basically doing the same thing. Why can't you just have one? Why can't you just keep the VTI, which is tracking the whole US stock market um, universe of, of stocks uh, instead? So to me, um, that's part of it. And so and the other part of that I'm concerned about is like half the half of portfolio is now in North American equities, which is I think I think the world we live in now, you need to have a much more broader exposure to equity to 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 op investment opportunities all around the world, and uh, it kind of goes against violates one of the premises of uh, you know geographic bias, having more have a broadly diversified portfolio, which is interesting because the people that are in this Porobo advisor um, are a bunch of highly acclaimed academics and a bunch of people with PhDs who keep espousing who should know better, and it's interesting that they, they have these type of people. In there but they're kind of not practicing right now it's right now they're not practicing that they don't seem to be practicing that um, as effectively so thought I'd share this with you I thought it was kind of important this is kind of important to me because this is kind of like a because otherwise things have been kind of quiet with it so uh, I'm gonna keep track of it as I said the, the whole point of my experiment is to watch how these things behave and to look under the hood a little bit more closely and to identify uh, things that I see that uh, you know just you know, make you want to scratch your head or things you may want to question and things that you should probably be aware of if you're considering using this type of service out there or, you know, uh, even if just you're managing money yourself or, you're man or somebody else is managing the money, money, managing your money, that you're aware of that. And so you're asking these questions because we want to ask questions. We don't want to be, we want to be engaged in the process. And so component as an investment coach, I kind of try to develop in a competency level that I develop in all my people that I work with is getting people more engaged in their investments. Even if they're gonna step by, have somebody else do it, you can still be engaged in the process. You can still ask questions. So that's kind of all I wanted to share with you. If you have any questions, love to hear anybody else's insight and anybody else's experiences with um, using their robo-advisors. Have they seen this kind of um, behavior and this type of activity take place in their kind of um, robo-portfolios? Love to share with it with you. As I said, I'm sharing with you guys. Feel free to share with me and share with everybody else. And uh, so the whole point is just getting some chatter, getting some good talk, discussion, so people understand what they're getting into. And at the end of the day, I want people to make really informed investment decisions. So a lot of it is, is and, and I want people to be successful because <laughs> at the end of the day, why are we doing this? We're doing this because we want to make money and so we can meet our long-term financial goals. Um, yeah, that's all I got for you today. Any questions about this? Uh, any questions about my uh, service? As I said, I work as an investment coach. My goal is 
to basically help people make better investment decisions. I help them make better investment decisions by improving their financial literacy and also improving their behaviors towards money and developing what I call are some of the core competencies that really make people really good investors, which are giving people more education, getting people more engaged in the process, and just giving people the empowerment and the confidence that they can do this stuff, that this is not something that is relegated to people with Harvard MBAs or uh, you know high levels of education or you have to work on Wall Street to be a good investor. I really strongly believe anybody can do this stuff. So if you want, feel free to reach out. I'd be more than happy to answer any of your questions. You can go to my website, uh, www.sageinvestors.ca. And you can follow me on Twitter. Um, my handle is at Sage Investors. I'm on there all the time commenting and uh, sharing my observations about the market and also sharing my own personal investment decisions that I make. It's one thing for me to teach people how to invest and how to become a better investor. It's another thing to model the behavior. So I, I, believe, I believe very much in practicing what I preach and practicing what I teach, actually. Um, I don't think I'm much of a preacher on that stuff. Never, never been a good preacher. Um, but I can teach. I know I can teach this stuff. Um, that's all I got for you. Look forward to hearing from me again. For those of people who have jumped on board who have just listened to this stock talk for the first time, welcome. Um, feel free to download. Uh, all the previous episodes are on iTunes. They're also through the website too. Um, just do a search for Sage Investors and uh, you can catch all the previous episodes too. And feel free to leave a comment on iTunes. Um, stars, it's all good. Love to hear from you. All right. All right, so that's all I got for you this week. Uh, It's been another episode of Stock Talk where we talk about all things investing. And hopefully we'll go back to some more regular kind of stuff. I won't be doing too many. I don't don't plan on doing too many of these breaking news stories um, episodes. Uh, Let's talk about some other interesting investments. There's a lot of other interesting investing stuff going on right now. So I'd love to share that with you in future episodes. So that's all I got for you. Take care. My name is Amin Reina of Sage Investors, and we'll catch you again another time. Cheers. Oh, 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 oh,